This is episode 38 of the Urban Yogi Podcast with Sequoia Tom. I'm your host, Will Blunderfield. I'm a psych major, a kundalini yoga teacher, spin instructor, recording artist, and a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher in training. Join me in this free-flowing conversation, exploring what it means to live with balance in the 21st century. Sequoia views life as a school for love. His life intention is to live in the heart of union, in the eternal oneness of now. For over 30 years, he has been sharing with others the practices he finds most helpful to get out of the overloaded, busy mind and connect more with the heart, breath, and body, where unity and love live. It's all about high-level wellness in body, heart, and soul. I hope you enjoy my interview with my teacher and friend, Mr. Sequoia Tom. Good. Yeah, we're online. We are online. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So I have Sequoia Lundy, right, Lundy? Sequoia Tom, I go by. Sequoia Tom. Yeah. Awesome. I've got Sequoia Tom with me. And um, I first heard of Sequoia probably about 10 years ago. Mm. And um, I heard that you were an amazing masseuse. Okay. And... Um, and then I met ZG, and then I went to one of your classes at 8x6, and um, it was really cool because you were fusing yoga with, like, eye-gazing and, you know, putting your hand on the back of your partner, and it was just sort of things that it just felt very loving and compassionate, mm. and I'm really interested in, in bringing, you know, the energy of, you know, the sexuality, the lower chakras into the heart and combining it with mm. that, in that passionate way, and I feel like <laughs> that's, like, the universe drew me to you. Because I'd set the intention to, to learn more about this, and then I met you. So uh, I just want to say thank you for carrying the torch mm. and for holding that frequency and being such a great teacher for mm. so many. Mm. And um, yeah, I just I want to ask you about you know your story and your history and <laughs> how you got into this work and mm. what you see for the future of of your work and also for of mankind. And, and Whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we have how many days yeah, to talk about this? <laughs> this is a five-hour interview. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where should we start? Well, first tell me where you're from, because I remember you told me, but I forgot. I grew up in Brooklyn. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm a Brooklyn boy. That's so cool. Went through eight, uh, 16 years of Catholic education, which was oh, really wow. damaging. Yeah. Separating sexuality from spirituality. Yeah. yeah. Totally, like, polarizing. Sexuality bad, spirituality good, body bad. Yes. Yeah, so that, that um, was a wounding, for sure. Yeah. I feel like the medical industry had historically done that, too, because, like, mm. they didn't want to step on the toes of the church. So they kind of gave like spirit to the church yeah. and in the mind to the church and the body was for medicine. Right. And it was always sort of cut. Lots of splitting. And it's like, oh gosh, but like we have to look at things holistically in, in some way, right? Yeah. But yeah. Um, so you had that and how did you get over that? So I was pretty tortured as a teenager, you know, having furtive sex in washrooms and things like that and then going to confession and confessing my sins and asking for forgiveness and swearing I would never do it again and I'd do it again. So you like pull the George Michael and then you... <laughs> yeah. So I was really tortured and I, at, by the age 19 I realized this is untenable. Either the church or my sexuality but I can't do both. They're just, wow. they're, the two just are incompatible. Mm-hmm. And I took a deep breath and said it's my sexuality, I have to follow that. Nice. <laughs> so I left the church behind at 19. And so in my 20s, I was a little lost spiritually because... Was that in the 70s? Like when it was... Uh, no, it was earlier. Uh, it would have been actually the early 60s. Let me see. So I was born in 44. 
So yeah, I'm 63, something wow. like that. Yeah. You look great. Thank you. <laughs> it's all the yoga. It's yoga and chai. And chai, yeah, chai, totally. <laughs> Sequoia's uh, served me this wonderful chai that he made. It's so good. So, um, so yeah, I felt a little lost because I actually had been quite spiritual within mm -hmm. the Catholic idiom, except that it was cutting off my sexuality. So, right. uh, so I was sort of at a loss during my 20s, and I went through the U.S. Air Force, and I was a pilot in Vietnam, and oh, wow. all this stuff that wasn't me. And mm -hmm. so that whole first 28 years of my life was not me. I knew that. Mm -hmm. I, I said, this isn't me. I don't know who me is, mm -hmm. but... Someday I'll find out. Right. And once I got out of the Air Force, I was just about to, I was about 27 and a half. Mm -hmm. and I thought, where is the freest place on the planet that I know about? Mm -hmm. Berkeley. Berkeley. Berkeley, California. I just heard, you know, it was a place of free speech and yeah. free love back. This was during the Vietnam era. There were lots of war protests and mm -hmm. the hippie thing was happening. So free love was yeah. all in the air. So I thought, Berkeley. And I made a beeline to Berkeley and just started exploring. And within... Within a year, I had met a gay guy who was a yogi, oh, cool. and he showed me sun salutations, and I saw a poster for Transcendental Meditation and thought, yes, I need to do that. Nice. And I saw a free university course on um, Esalen-style massage, and the, the yeah. woman who was teaching it described it as being very sensual. It's not sexual. It's very sensual. Cool. And I thought, hmm, yep, I need to check Esalen that out. Massage? Esalen, yeah. There's a place in California called the Esalen Institute. Oh, okay. It's E S. A L E N, I believe. Nice. S L N. It's still there, and oh, cool. uh, they they popularized the, a type of massage that's sort of an offshoot of Swedish massage, but not nice. so much pummeling, more right. more soothing cool. and nurturing and TLC, and not sexual, but often done nude. Cool. So this workshop I took uh, was men and women, and she, she the the woman who taught it, um, Judith McKinnon, she became a famous teacher of massage after that, but nice. she was just getting started. Uh, said, you know, we're going to be naked all weekend. Cool. Guys, you might get erections. Don't worry about it. It's not sexual, but, you know, that's what male bodies what do. Happens, yeah. And so there was this permission to be naked and feel whatever erotic energy might be present in touch, yeah. but not focus on that. So that was incredibly liberating and enlightening in a way because mm -hmm. I discovered the rest of my body, right. <laughs> which a lot of men... Back then, especially, you know, it was like it was sexual in the genital area where there was no touch at all. Right. So to have the rest of my body pleasured without a sexual intent was very, very, it was, like, it was kind of an epiphany. Mm -hmm. So. That's cool. And uh, so by the time I had discovered yoga, meditation, and massage, I felt like you I'm finding, I'm finding my path. And yeah. then, I, then I heard, I, I actually don't remember where I first heard about Tantra. Hmm. But I heard somewhere that there was this tradition in India that actually said that spirituality and sexuality are not different. That in fact, they're the same mm -hmm. energy in different forms. And mm -hmm. I really made a beeline to reading some literature. And then I, believe it or not, in 1975, I went to a gay men's tantra workshop in Great. Berkeley. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, which was powerful. I was 31. Cool. And... Um, here was a bunch of gay guys with a straight facilitator. That was interesting. The man who oh, taught wow. it was heterosexual, but he, and he he taught tantra within the straight community. But he also wanted to bring it to gay men. That's so cool. It was That's really like, cool. Have you heard of Tarun? No. Oh yeah, ta uh, Tarun. He identifies as straight, and he was teaching gay men's yoga. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I took some of his classes. So he's a lovely man. Yeah. yeah. Is, is he back? Really cool. I don't know where he is. I, I see he, him on social media. I think he might be in a different city. He, yeah. Last I heard, he was in Indonesia or something like oh, that. So, okay. But lovely man. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. really sweet. That's cool. Um, so once I heard about Tantra and heard that um, the, the philosophy was actually not only that they're not 
not only that sexuality and spirituality are compatible, but that actually sexuality is viewed as a gateway to spirituality. It's mm. like you can't, you can't do a bypass around sexuality, mm. which of course Catholic priests have been trying to do for a long time and are yeah. not failing at miserably. Really good, yeah. You can't bypass it. You ha mm. So Tantra says you actually have to go through the sexual chakra mm. and don't get stuck there. Right. That's, I mean, it's a lovely place to be, but that's, it's not the end of the journey. That's right. in a way the beginning of the journey. Mm. And then find out what's beyond that includes sexuality, but it's not focused so much on sexuality. And that's what Tantra is, and I cool. adore yeah. that whole approach. It just feels so right. That's awesome. So it sounds like everything kind of led you to this inward journey and in, in discovering Tantra. Would you say Tantra is kind of the, the bedrock of your spiritual practice? Mm. Yeah, very much. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And what um, got you into working with, with men, and how, how was that initially? Mm. Mm. Um, it seemed like the obvious thing to do because I, mean, I, 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 I was attracted. Oh yeah, very much. Okay. I knew I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gayer than a box of birds. Honey. <laughs> exactly, gay as a goose, as they nice. used to say. Um, no, I knew I was attracted to guys at a really early age, which in growing up in America in the '60s was really oh, that, yeah. that was John Wayne time. You know, I mean, that was right. like you know you walk with us. Swagger, and you, 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 you talk with a low voice, and you, 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 you hunt. Yeah, you grunt. <laughs> fish. So anything slightly effeminate or slightly homoerotic was just completely shameful. Hmm. So, um, but I knew that that's who I was, and it was. Well, that leads me to my next question: okay. Is where do you think homophobia came from? Because from my research, it oh hasn't always been. Oh For boy. example, ancient Greece. Yeah. In the normal thing was to be bisexual, to have mm. a wife, yeah. but also if you went to battle, it would be expected that you would have a certain type right. of love that involves sexuality with your battle mates. Yeah. I have heard different snippets here and there. I don't purport to be an expert about this, but um, Christianity, for one, um, which seems to have... I'm going to be pretty caustic here. I, it feels like the church systematically um, disempowers people from their sexuality to make it sinful and evil, then... You feel guilty, then you have to go to the church for forgiveness. Right. Which, it's a way to control. Yeah, it's a way to control. So, right. um, and, um, and of course, they wanted to make babies, so homosexuality mm -hmm. was out because that doesn't make babies. So there's mm -hmm. that piece. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. And then, um, I, now this is, again, I don't know my facts exactly, but I heard oh, that okay. there was a German... Uh, psychologist who coined the term homosexuality. It had never been a concept I've heard that before. Too, that the term is only about 150 years uh, yeah. old. Yeah, and so it, was, it wasn't even a concept in people's mm -hmm. minds. For example, it's said that Abraham Lincoln had a man in his life, mm -hmm. then they slept together, and who knows what they actually did, mm -hmm. but that wasn't considered all that odd back then. Mm -hmm. um, he had a wife, and he did that, you know, he had kids, right. but he had this intimate male friend, and that was kind of even, right. even in the well, 19th like, century. Pierre Trudeau. Yeah. It was likely bisexual. Uh-huh, right. And, and even Justin, you know, I remember right. being a, yeah. a swimming teacher, and, and my swimming teacher had gotten with him. I was like, that's awesome. My nice. Was male. Nice. Yay, great. Yeah, so whoever, whoever it was that made this concept that there's a, you know, there's either heterosexual or homosexual. It, into a binary. it created this whole binary uh, illusion. Uh, right. which, and that's not, that's not human experience. You know, people yeah. are sexual. Think, yeah, sexuality is a lot more fluid and porous than just two... Yep. Labels. Yep. So, um, mm -hmm. so, so yeah, it's it's almost like a way to control people. It, well, it's certainly way, it's yeah. certainly. I don't know that it was a pre uh, preconceived uh, evil intent, but uh, mm -hmm. it was just a guy who had a very intellectual approach and thought mm -hmm. you have to categorize people. Categorize and, but, everything. But that doesn't work. You can't put people in boxes. No. So that combined with Christian guilt and uh, 
and then the post-war era when mm -hmm. men had been together a lot and during the war and who knows what went on in the you know in the trenches and all mm -hmm. that because uh, and then they came back and they had to kind of reintegrate into society and mm -hmm. and there were these labels like gay and straight so some men chose to become ghettoized in male you know same-sex mm -hmm. communities which really was never the way people were. People were just yeah. led their lives and had liaisons, but there were never there was never a gay community, a straight community. It was right. all just people living together and having intimacies and much mm -hmm. more fluidly. So mm -hmm. so that's kind of my my quick read up yeah, how I mean, it's that, all came about. That makes sense. And uh, you know, I've heard that you know, in places like Egypt, you'll often see men holding hands and sitting on each other's laps. Oh, yeah. India, it's, too. In India, India yeah. is beautiful. The men are all over each other. And it's not about sex, necessarily. It's yeah. just very affectionate. Yeah, so it's just interesting in our, especially in Vancouver, people seem to... Mm. I got a message from a guy who identifies as straight, and he's like, I'm so proud of you for teaching naked yoga. Mm -hmm. Like, I can hardly even get naked in a change room mm. without feeling intense shame and wow. being very uncomfortable. Wow. And uh, I remember I used to feel that way too. And I think just going to Rec Beach a lot during university really helped me get rid of that sure. sort of yeah. just fear of being naked. Yep. And um, yeah, Pete, it's funny. Like I, I used to teach naked men's yoga in like 2012. Mm. And I would get shamed for it by, by colleagues in Vancouver's yoga mm. community. Mm. You're bastardizing the tradition. And, mm. And then I did more research. It's like, well, a lot of the, the yogis in India practice naked and mm. practice naked mm. traditionally. And I met this woman named Amy Jindra, mm. and she's a tantric coach from New York City. Mm -hmm. And she, she's like, where's the naked yoga in Vancouver? Mm. And I was like, oh, we don't really have that here. <laughs> she's like, well, I really would love to have naked, naked co-ed yoga. That's wow. what we do in New York City. Wow. And I was like, oh, well, do you want to teach a workshop with me? We can see. <laughs> and one lady showed up, <laughs> right. and it was mostly men. And yes. I spoken with other naked yoga teachers yeah. in, in Vancouver and that seems to be the case usually when you host it it's mm. usually men yeah whereas if you're in like Berlin or New York City mm. there is more women okay uh, at least that's what Amy has said okay. and, mm. and Ron Stewart was saying that um, he's also a naked yoga teacher mm -hmm. that when he was in Europe there was like in Berlin there'd be a lot of co-ed naked yoga mm. that was more men and women mm. together yeah but I don't know maybe Vancouver is just not quite ready for that yet um, Northern Europe, I mean, the, the Scandinavian countries in Germany have a long history of nudity being more acceptable on beaches and so forth. It's just right. not a big deal. Whereas and North like America. Naked saunas are yeah. common in Germany. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, but it's a much more uptight culture in North America. Yeah, why is that? <laughs> just the way it kind of works. We yeah. are in British Columbia, after all. Yeah, British Columbia. <laughs> so not I don't know where that <laughs> came from, but certainly, I, well, the Christian influence has been really strong, been strong in North America. The pilgrims and the, you know that yeah. whole thing, especially in the United States, but um, up here too. I mean, the Brits were pretty uptight about homosexuality, as you know. Yeah, and they were. I remember uh, who's the guy who discovered like the special code to help win World War Two? Alan Turing. 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 I think. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, when they found out he was gay, like, uh -huh. they were giving him like estrogen and. Yep. Crazy things like that. It's and he committed suicide. And he committed suicide, right. Yeah, yeah. It's tragic. And I think the Queen just recently... Yes, exonerated him. Exonerated him or something? Yeah, yeah. It's very... So things take a while sometimes to, yes. sort, of, yep. to sort of right themselves or yep. to yep. come to a place of homeostasis and mm. love. Yep. Love, right? It's all about love. It is, and thank, thank God that Western culture is making some progress around homoerotic. Yes. And this leads actually perfectly into my next question. Uh, the final day of Ignite, the queer men's festival that uh, I was grateful to partake in last year, yeah. that Sequoia and um, your spiritual, would you say your spiritual partner, CG? CG, yeah. 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 Uh, created. Um, when it came your turn to speak in the circle, in the closing circle, 
there were tears and I started crying. Most people were crying too mm. because you, you were saying like this is something that, you know, it's, it's a long time in the making and you always hoped for a day like this where, where men would just come together and mm. be loving and mm. it wasn't such a big deal. Like, mm. And can you tell me more about that moment? Because that really impacted me. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I was obviously quite moved just to see all of us together in such diversity. Yes. Younger and older men, and multiracial, and mm -hmm. all the different things that we did over the course of the weekend. Mm -hmm. It just felt like the big, I might get choked up again because mm -hmm. it felt like a dream come true, mm -hmm. really, to just mm -hmm. see us all together. I mean, there were 80 of us in the room, I think, at, yeah. at the closing ceremony. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was just stunning and beautiful, and I, mm -hmm. I want more of that. I want men loving men on this planet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, what role does self-love play in the advancement of men loving men? Wow. What a great question. If the because yoga teaches us that the external world is is a reflection of the inner world. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. I may need to ponder that one. <laughs> what role does self love have to do with men loving men? Is with the advancement of, of of men loving men. Oof. Wow. Uh, it's all about being able to love, and if we can't love ourselves. We can't love anybody else. I've heard several people RuPaul. say. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. RuPaul says that in yeah. his RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, yeah. How the hell are you going to love anybody else? Yeah, and yourself? I think others have said it even and earlier. And you'll legend there. in the yeah, Kundalini. Yeah. There's a lot of self-blessing meditations. Yeah, yeah. And, so. you know, if you can't crown yourself, nobody yes. else can crown you. Yeah. You can't bless yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's, it's really, so you're answering your own question. It's really, mm -hmm. that's the prerequisite for any kind of love, whether it's between men or between men and women. Or we, First, we have to deeply love and accept ourselves mm -hmm. and, uh, and there's, there's so many ways to do that yoga is one of them it's, mm -hmm. it's, 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 a, it's a, I think of yoga as like love making to oneself it's just oh, the, I love the that. breathing and the movement it's like self-massage and yeah. dancing with oneself and all of that so yeah yeah that's I've noticed that too it's like um, it's almost like giving yourself permission to feel joy and really, aliveness yeah and just alive. totally alive and yeah, breathing feeling and, vital and alive yeah 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 and um Maybe it goes back to like the reason why some people find that hard, and we found that hard in our past is like the 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 the, the church to control people splits people from their sexuality and yes. their, their joy in many cases. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was also thinking like the whole concept of sin is is really damaging mm -hmm. because if you because you yeah. sin means yeah. missing the mark, yep. and if you don't love yourself, you're probably going to miss the mark a lot more often than if you truly respect and love who you are. Absolutely. And are in tune with your whole self, including your sexuality. Absolutely. Um, I, I know I, I was taught that uh, any that self love is selfish is being selfish well, and that was that a bad thing too, yeah, in the past, and, yeah yeah and and so it, it's again cutting oneself it's cutting mm -hmm. people off from themselves mm -hmm. um, I, I now would say selfishness is essential yeah it, it's like a, it's it is self love and yeah um, and once we really love ourselves then there's a natural overflowing of that love outward. Mm -hmm. uh, who I mean, we can't just contain all the love. It has to flow has outward, to flow. overflow. So. It's like the ultimate renewable resource. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I like Let that. I like that image. One of my yoga teachers said that. Beautiful, yeah. yeah. yeah just yeah. filling the cup to overflowing. Yeah. So my whole life is about uh, how do I fill my cup and then let it overflow to others. That's actually a very good topic to discuss. What good daily habits do you have that keep you in your highest? Chai. <laughs> <laughs> You sound like me and matcha. Yeah. Um, 
Awesome. I have a daily yoga practice. I have a daily nice. meditation practice. Those are. Do you do it in the morning, afternoon, evening? I uh, I meditate actually in the middle of the night. Now that I'm getting older, my sleep oh, is wow. interrupted. Hmm. I, when I was younger, when I was your age, I used to sleep through the night. But now I actually wake up during the night, and it's a beautiful time to meditate. What time? Usually? It varies. Um, this morning, I think it was. I think I woke up around four. And um, and I was clearly going to be awake for a while, so I lit my candles and sat on my cushion and meditated for about fifty minutes, and then I got sleepy again and went back to sleep. Like fifty, like almost an hour, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting that you woke up around four, because four to six thirty or seven a.m. Mm. In, in the Kundalini tradition is the Amrit Vela, uh-huh. the nectar time. And and I, I guess I might Buddhist, kick this, but that won't hurt. That won't like hurt. Buddhist tradition and in certain other spiritual traditions, getting up at that time. Mm. They, I guess something to do with the position of the sun in mm. relation to the earth at that mm. time yeah. is like most conducive for meditation in mm-hmm. many different belief systems. Yeah. So that's interesting. Because I find like I would never thought I'd be a morning person. Mm. And then with this Kundalini training, they're mm. like, hey, at least 15 times throughout this training, you must get up at like three, whatever you need to do to get to the studio by four mm. and then do yoga for two and a half hours. Whoa. Yoga and meditation and chanting. <laughs> that time that you and DG invited me to chant to, mm. to the chanting, I was like, I can't because I've got to get up at three right, and right. chant in the morning. Yeah. Uh, but I completed that 40-day challenge. Beautiful. So now I can, now oh. I'm getting up a little bit later, like oh. five or six. Oh. But um, yeah, there's something powerful I find about meditating at that time. It's very quiet. quiet. The, the universe is, like, the psychic energy is really Yeah, calm, less yeah. people thinking thoughts, yep. perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So, but, so anyway, you're asking, so that's, mm-hmm. so my, I, don't have, I don't have a set time. I just mm-hmm. let, I sort of go with my body slow. Sometimes I do sleep through the night, or sometimes I wake up at one cool. and meditate then. So I really am trying to just let my body tell me when's the right time. Nice. And then I get up and have my chai, nice. and then I do my asana practice. Cool. And um, if I have enough time to do a half an hour of asana practice, that's about what I do. Nice. Yeah, sun salutations and some other stuff. And awesome. then I have my breakfast and go about my day. Would you say your asana practice is like hatha or power... Ashtanga. It's um, having studied many different traditions. Mm-hmm. I've settled on one that's more uh, Desikachar style. Do you know? Oh yeah. He was uh, in the Krishnamacharya tradition. So, yeah. so first, Krishnamacharya's first disciple that came to the West was Patabi Joyce. Right. Then Iyengar, mm-hmm. and then Desikachar, who's the youngest. Oh. Okay. And it seems as though Desikachar got Krishnamacharya's later, more mature mm-hmm. teachings, mm-hmm. much slower, much more meditative. Long, slow inhalations and long, slow mm. exhalations. So you've been to some of the classes I've taught. Yeah. So it's 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 not the it's yeah, not a it's not it's not, like not, a, it, it's not an aerobic practice at all, cool. which is what Patabi Joyce is kind of is. And that's a, that's a beautiful yeah. that's a beautiful practice too. But the one that really resonates for me is this very slow meditative practice. So cool. That's what I do. That's awesome. Have you gotten into Yin yoga at all? A little, and I enjoy it. Cool. Uh, it's not something I need to do regularly, but it's yeah. fun to do once in a while. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I. Um, the, the kundalini is often very rapid and fast, mm, yeah. and it's, I think Yogi Bhajan designed it for Westerners who have a lot on the kundalini right. need to have strong nervous <laughs> type systems, a. type A personalities, <laughs> and like, I, it's definitely helped me for that. I'm like, well, I've got like, so much energy yeah, from it, yeah. but I like to balance it out with yin and more yeah. relaxing practices, yes. just sometimes just sitting. Yes. Yeah. You know? It's great how many different yoga styles we have available yeah. to us now. So people can tailor it and do one practice depending on what yeah. mood they're in, what energy, so we can fine-tune our energy. Today I need yeah. a more yin practice. Today I need a power practice. And yeah, we can, uh, yeah. So it's great. Yeah, Fantastic. you can make it work for your life and what yeah. your Excellent. intentions are. Absolutely, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm just pulling out my questions. I'm amazed. Um, are you pausing that or...? Oh, it's, I can cut it out. Uh, I'm, amazed how, um, okay, I'm amazed how far yoga has it come into the culture because when I started... Mm. Uh, 
exploring yoga in the mid-70s, it was really fringe. People would say, you're doing yogurt? Yeah. No, it's not yogurt, it's yoga. Yeah. And, it's, and people were totally, and this is even down in California. I heard that in Vancouver, uh, there was a lady who was teaching and uh, the police tried to stop the class. She was teaching yoga at a rec center and the police <laughs> thought it was a cult. And then she had to go to City Hall and explain what it was. When was it? In the 70s? Oh my God. I can't remember That's her name. Hysterical. But she taught, she's, a, she's around your age and she was That's teaching hysterical. at the Yogathon a few years ago and she was sharing this story and I was like, well, wow. Yeah, it was very ex- it was very exotic, if not yeah. Yeah, if not considered cultish and freakish and things like that. Yeah. And now it's like Starbucks. There's you go right. on every uh, on every. You know, I remember car. going to acting school in 2004 in New York, and I remember the teacher was teaching us asanas before we went on stage, mm. and he even said, you know, you better not tell your parents what we're doing because <laughs> some of your parents, you know, have called and, and they think that this is some weird cult now, and you know they're asking us to shut down the school because it's some weird yoga cult. Oh my god! He's like, I just want to teach you how to stretch and breathe so you can be good listeners when you're on stage. Mm. It's very funny. Yeah. So it's come, we've come a long way. We have. And points. I feel like we've, we're coming a long way with naked yoga. Yes. Because like I've felt so attacked like four years ago for teaching mm. it. And now that I've met Amy, like I feel like I have that extra confidence because she mm. helped me frame it. She helped me write the description of the naked yoga that you said you liked. I really liked it. In fact, uh, could you just recap what that is? Because yeah. it's so beautiful. Well, it's, uh, I can even pull it up and like read it out. Um, it's, it's the idea that like you know, your body's a temple, mm. right? And so often we're trying to ignore our bodies and shame it yes. and numb them, Yes. you know, with Netflix and food and drugs and alcohol. Mm, yes, exactly. So it's like just re-inhabiting your body, mm. I think is the kind of message of of why I wanted to start mm. teaching Nikki because she helped me understand how important it is, mm. you know? Yeah. And To really totally accept the body yeah. and its sacredness. Yes, it's sacred. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it up because I think maybe the listeners would... Yeah. benefit from just hearing it too. Yes, yeah. I often will just say, say at the beginning of the class if there's a lot of new people. Because mm. some people walk in, you know, some dancers will walk into the class and you can tell they're kind of nervous and like, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. They feel kind of awkward. Yep. And if I read this out, I find that they're like, oh, okay, I can see mm-hmm. why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach naked yoga for men, just for the listeners, on Sundays at True Nosh Studio, 2200 Ontario Street in Vancouver. And if you go to eventbrite.com and type in nude yoga, it's the first one that pops up. <laughs> and um, are you teaching naked yoga at Scotiabank yep. on Wednesday nights? It's going to be Thursday nights beginning in uh, April. Oh, perfect. When ZG's back. Yep. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so I've been, I was telling people Wednesday night, so I'll make sure I tell them that it's not right. on right now because I didn't realize ZG was going. Yeah, we, we resume on April 4th on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Okay, perfect. Good. I'll be sure to spread the word. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being an example of, of like what's possible to teach naked yoga. As long as you're spreading the word, it's meninTouch.org. Men, oh yes, perfect. Yeah, meninTouch.org. And and you guys do um, retreats and stuff too, eh? For sure. Yeah, yeah we um, just finished one actually between Christmas and New Year's, and nice. the next one after Ignite will be in the summertime here, and then awesome. down in New Mexico. Oh my in, gosh! In September. That's the home of Kundalini Yoga. Right. New Mexico is yes. where they have their big ashram. Yeah, and the, the, the Zen Center that we go to is probably about an hour drive away from um, the town. Where, nice. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah. Oh, oh it's not right on the tip of my tongue, but anyway, it's about yeah. an hour away from there. Oh, nice. I'm Beautiful. Sure. Okay. okay, I found it. <laughs> okay, so here it is. So Nude Yoga... In Tantra, 
your body is the temple. It's the god slash goddess, and it's the worshiper. So many times we are trying to ignore our bodies, transcend them or numb them. This practice is to appreciate our bodies as they are without the conditioning we've picked up from our parents, our religion, and relationships. Why naked yoga? As a teacher, I'm always looking to create safe environments for optimum growth and healing. I've personally healed from body dysmorphia and anxiety through naked yoga, like you will experience today. I've seen incredible freedom and joy in my previous naked yoga workshops in the past. My intention is to provide a powerful class to reach new joys, to shed old stories of doubt and shame, and to enjoy your body. Shedding ideas, labels, beliefs of who we are, along with our clothes, is one of the most powerful and rewarding experiences. Removing shame and guilt from our body opens huge doors to what we think our limits of happiness, success, and love can be. Come for a safe experience in rewriting or our old stories and coming home to your body in a new and empowering way. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Mm, I really Thanks like to that. Thanks Amy for helping me construct this. Yes, I really like that. Because um, almost everybody has some level of body shame, it seems like. Yeah. You know, I'm too tall, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I'm too hairy, I'm too smooth. You know, yeah. People just have stories about my body not being acceptable. It's really, a, it's an epidemic, eh? Yeah. 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 How have you come to, like, would you say naked yoga has been one of the tools that you've used to love yourself on a deeper level? Yeah, I, I think I had actually begun doing it in other kinds of workshops before Naked Yoga because mm -hmm. I've been doing um, body electric workshops and my oh, own yeah. wor my own men's um, erotic workshops for 30-some years, and wow. I hadn't uh, experienced Naked Yoga until more recently, maybe 10 years, mm -hmm. 10, 15 oh, years. Cool. So, um, but definitely I think um, it's, a, it's another... It's another piece of that puzzle of, oh, yoga and nudity go together. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. Tell me more about Body Electric. Uh, it's been quite transformative in my life. They, it was started, founded by a man named Joseph Kramer, yeah, who's, yeah. who's a contemporary of mine. He's about 70-ish. Is he an author, too? He yeah. I, books? Uh, I, 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 maybe. I, don't, I can't remember a book. Boys, it, Boys in the Band? No. No. That wasn't him. No, that's not him. Um, he's, he's been more of a workshop facilitator. He, he, so he, was, he comes from a Catholic background. He was actually oh, a seminarian for a while. Oh, wow. And uh, so he knows about all that shame and guilt stuff. Mm -hmm. And it, when the AIDS epidemic was happening and bodily fluids were the, the mm -hmm. culprit, we knew that. We didn't, know, we didn't know much else, but we knew that bodily fluids were mm -hmm. a problem. Uh, he thought queer men need to find ways of being erotic that don't involve bodily fluids. Mm -hmm. And he had studied... Taoist, uh, some uh, Mantak Chia, you may know. Yeah, I've read a lot of his books. He, had, he studied with him and some other people. So he created a, a kind of massage that was uh, ba based on that Taoist principle, which is similar yes. to Tantra in many ways, yeah. of moving energy through the chakras. And uh, so very powerful um, ways of massaging the genitals that aren't the one that lead to ejaculation. Oh, cool. That, but that do raise erotic energy and some powerful breathing, like rebirthing oh, breathing. Yeah. And um, so it was like an alternative orgasm that didn't involve ejaculation. That's awesome. It was. And so he'd bring you know 20 or 30 or even 40 men together sometimes in a, for a weekend and doing these practices. Mm -hmm. And I found it quite transformative because it, it did open my, it really helped my sexual chakra and my heart and my soul be more connected. Bring into harmony with one another. And uh, so that then that has grown and spread. He first started for queer men, and then mm -hmm. the, the, uh, Colin Brown, who took over the school from Joseph, was bisexual, is bisexual, and he made it for all genders. Cool. So there's now stuff for all genders, and so wow. it's been, yeah. It's been quite a beautiful, uh, I think a lot of people's sexual lives have been transformed by his, their work. 
That's amazing. Yeah. I'm really interested in, in sort of finding a way to fuse sexuality more into yoga. Mm-hmm. Like, um, well, I just did my Kundalini training and it was great, but it was almost very like, yeah, we had their head wrapped and it was almost like we were becoming monks and nuns. Hmm. And there was no description of like what to do if you like start to have an orgasm while you're practicing mm-hmm. this really intense kind of yoga. Mm-hmm. And Amy was saying that when she does Kundalini yoga, sometimes she'll have like an orgasm on her mat. Mm. And like I can totally go there. Mm-hmm. I can totally go to that place because you're like yeah. moving your spine in yeah. all these ways. And oh, they tell sure. you squeeze your anus, sex organ, yeah, navel yeah. point. And yeah, it's yeah. like, I'm going to fucking come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, how, how do we fuse sexuality into yoga and, you know, without scaring people away? Like I, I was uh, watching that, that Netflix documentary, Wild Wild Country. About mm. Osho's cult? Mm. Oh, it's so, do you have Netflix? Oh, I th- so it's kind of critical, right? That, is yeah, that the one that's... kind of criticized. Yeah, well, so. yeah, it just was like showing like, you know, yeah. all the intense stuff that happened. It, in, ma- it in makes Oregon. it look like a cult. If yeah, it's it made it like yeah, a cult. I, I began to watch it. I thought I don't need to watch that. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah. I found it, I just found it like really, it was very shocking, obviously, because uh-huh. they were, that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. And I, I love Osho's teachings. Mm, me too, yeah. Yeah, I think he's great. Yeah. But, uh they were kind of making the viewers kind of freaked out because they're just like mm-hmm. these quick flashes of like mm-hmm. naked people like writhing mm. and stuff. And it's yeah. like without any context yeah. or explanation. Yeah, it's very sensational. Yeah, so I'm just wondering like how how do we combine sexuality with yoga? Well, that's what I've been working on for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I mean, for me, it's all about uh, sharing touch that's slow and meditative and mm. has lots of breathing and connecting the chakras together. Mm. Um, uh, certainly my early sexual experience with men was that we dove into the genitals and just mm. did what we needed to do to pop yeah. our pop like, our eh, come everywhere yeah, yeah and then get on with have a cigarette or whatever right and so uh it, and i from what i've heard women say about men that's kind of how straight guys are too they just want to get their mm. rocks off so it feels like we men often need some remedial training and how to eroticize the whole body which is about slowing down, not focusing so much on the penis. You think that's because, like, when we were younger, we were like masturbating quickly because we didn't want to get caught. Sure, yeah, and I mean, it's just that there's so much charge in the male penis that it's right. the male penis. I guess that's redundant, but there's so much charge <laughs> in the penis yeah. that uh, it just it's this play toy for young guys, right? Yeah. Oh, look what this does! Oh, squirt, so squirt, squirt, yeah, squirt! And yeah. many guys just never get past that. And uh, so in Taoism and in Tantra, they use the phrase cultivating sexual energy. And it's this process, this science almost, of Mm. how to raise the energy so it's not just squirting out. It's just bring it up through the chakras, breathe, relax. The the key is really relaxing in the midst of arousal. Right. Because the the tendency for the body, as I'm sure you know, when we're we're getting aroused, we tend to tighten the body to prepare for that squirt. Right. And if we relax like breathing deeply and just learning some relaxation, then the squirt doesn't happen, the energy wants to come up. It'll flow everywhere. Yeah. Feels yeah. good, yeah. So, so it's all mm-hmm. about just reframing it into relaxing while we're aroused. So that's like kind of that. how I define Tantra is relaxed arousal. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Relaxed arousal. Cool. Yeah. Can you detail some different techniques that you found really beneficial in your workshops? Mm, um like I'm thinking like eye gazing and yeah, so, different things. Uh, yep. So just holding different chakras on partners, um, starting with some of the less charged one, like maybe the belly and the heart, mm-hmm. breathing there, and then perhaps moving to the genitals and the throat mm-hmm. and maybe the root and the crown. So just and breathing, so they're feeling that connection between all of those. So it enlarges mm-hmm. the sense of erotic energy from just in the just sexual area. 
And eye gazing is very powerful, and it really brings the energy up into the upper chakras. And cool. But I think breathing together is one of the most fundamental things. I think just two mm. people breathing together takes the energy into a different realm. Mm. Um, that's that's my favorite thing to do. Is let's breathe with somebody that's else. That's really cool. And breathing together with eye gazing is just yeah. <laughs> and uh, I want to ask you about yabyum because I tried it with Zijian, and that mm -hmm. was like so cool. Yeah. And uh, and I'm excited to try it with you after yeah. this interview. Yes. And, um, I know there's many different ways to do it, but could you tell the listeners a bit about Yabyum? So my sense, if we bring two people together face-to-face, -to -face, the, the energy systems like reflect off each other. Hmm. So we're lining up the chakras, so pelvis to pelvis, belly to belly, heart to heart, mm -hmm. head to head. And if we just move into stillness or something close to stillness and breathe mm -hmm. together, then the, the subtle body gets to have its... Mm. gets to have more awareness instead of just the physical body mm -hmm. the subtle we can become more aware of the subtle body yeah. and um, so then we can try different positions it could be standing or it could be sitting in an embrace mm -hmm. um, we, we uh, ZG and I did a workshop in New Mexico as I mentioned last September and we were teaching yab yum and but not everybody's flexible enough to sit on the floor right. with legs wrapped around each other that's pretty challenging for yeah. a lot of Western men so we were doing it in chairs we'd have cool. the one partner sitting in a chair and then the other one straddling him around oh, the nice. chair and so then it's much easier much easier yeah yeah because the bottom person's like usually in lotus yeah which not many people can do not many people can do that, especially with somebody actually sitting on their lap that's mm -hmm. that's pretty challenging unless you've yeah. been doing yoga for a long time for a while yeah but the main thing i think is the getting the chakras lined up and breathing together and mm -hmm. gazing is really important and cool yeah so that's awesome that's the essence of it so you you taught like a Yabyum workshop in New Mexico. Well, it was one of the like ingredients. We were things. teaching a tantra workshop, but Yabyum was kind of one of the culminations of it to That's actually really get cool. men into that embrace. Do you think there'll be something like that at Ignite? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the program isn't all finalized yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think That's Sunshine awesome. is teaching one of the tantra workshops. Oh, sweet. So you could put a bug in his ear about nice. teaching. <laughs> okay, fantastic. I'll definitely have to ask him. Yeah. That's very cool. What are you going to be teaching at Ignite? Uh, I have to go back and look at my notes. <laughs> um, Something juicy, I'm sure. I actually, I would have to consult my notes because we yeah. changed. Uh, we changed from last year where I taught tantra and something I called uh, meditative intimacy. I think, which mm. was. Um, um, Zigi's doing like a daddy workshop. I saw. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It is, yeah. Um, so. Um, Sorry, I don't have it on no my fingers, but uh, it's it is on the website. And the website, uh, is, as long as you're talking about For that, the is, is ignite-fest.com. Com. Ignite-fest.com. So the description of my workshops is there, and okay, I will sweet. I will refresh my memory before <laughs> the workshop okay. so I know what I'm teaching. Uh, whatever you teach will be great. Um, what would you say like the main goal of tantric practices is? Mm. Whew. That's a huge question. <laughs> <laughs> you don't ask these questions. <laughs> The main goal of, mm -hmm. tantra. of tantric practices, Whew. like you were saying, one of the sort of things is like cultivating calmness within mm. in being aroused. Mm. Could that be sort of one of the goals? So the the biggest picture of tantra that I know of is that there are two major philosophies in India. Tantra is one, and the other is Vedanta. Oh, and the difference. I mean, I'm kind of simplifying. They're obviously really complex and. But the main difference is Vedanta is ascetic. It mm -hmm. sort of is that view of the body's evil, the manifest oh, world right. is an illusion, you're trying to transcend the world, transcend the body, asceticism, you know, deny the body, don't have sex, don't eat, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the Vedanta tradition. And Tantra has just the opposite view. It's everything we see as God. Right. 
Yes. And we want to worship the food we eat. We want to worship the right. people we make love with. It's all divine. Yeah. Um, walking down the street, the people you're seeing are God-informed. Right. Even the homeless person, the beggar, is God-informed in the disguise. We, it, you know, cool. he, they may not know their God, but we can know their God. Right. So Tantra is all about seeing the world as God. Like so when we come together with a lover, it's what a beautiful way to make love is seeing our partner as God yeah. <laughs> or goddess. That's so gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. So that's the essence of Tantra. I like that goal. Mm. Yeah, really. That's cool. <laughs> seeing yeah. the uh, Yogi Bhajan says, if you can't see God in all, mm -hmm. you can't see God at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He's very pithy. That's very, pithy very pithy. Yes, I, I, uh, there were two gurus that I was influenced by who said similar things. Uh, I, I read um, Ram Dass's book, Be Here Now, oh, yeah, early on in my journey, good. and he quotes his guru, Neem Karoli Baba, mm -hmm. whose teaching was, Love everyone, mm. serve everyone, mm -hmm. and remember God. Oh, that's great teaching. And uh, my own Baba Muktananda, who really changed my life, um, his plaque up on the outside of the ashram was, mm. God dwells within you, see God in each other. Mm. And really that's kind of the essence of Tantra, is, mm. uh, which, is, which is what I said earlier in slightly different words, but those were his words. That, that's beautiful. And um, not everyone's comfortable with the word God, Right. But um, ba ba yeah, Baba's um, definition of of that inner essence is consciousness itself, cool. um, which some people call God, some people call it Allah, some people call it Buddha, some people call it Jesus. Oh, yeah. But it's it's a pure consciousness that underlies our thoughts, underlies our emotions. It's what's the deepest level of mm -hmm. existence is consciousness. Very nice. And so that's so what tapping into that. So maybe another goal of tantra could be tapping into that Christ Krishna consciousness. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, there's this book I was reading called Initiation mm. by Elizabeth Haish. Mm. Have you heard of it? Don't know it. And like it was sort of like this story about like how, you know, to to experience more joy, you have to kind of strengthen your nervous system. Mm. Um, and Brene Brown, I don't mm. know if you've heard yeah. of it, about like foreboding joy mm. and how a lot of us in our society like you feel joy, but then you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, so you can't really fully re uh, enjoy joy. Uh, so, like for me, I'm realizing my practice is really cultivating the a stronger nervous system so that I can tolerate joy. Yes, like learning how to tolerate. Yes, good. absolutely. I, I, it's so weird, but my comfort zone was was fear yeah, for so many years. Yeah, yeah. So my leaving my comfort zone is actually going into joy usually. I, I totally get that, and I feel like I had. I have gone through remedial training about letting mm -hmm. myself experience pleasure. And I think we were talking about body electric before. I think that's one of the things that they taught me was really releasing into pleasure and ecstasy and joy. And, mm -hmm. and uh, the, the flip side of that is being willing to accept pain because right. pleasure and pain are sort of two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Um, joy and sorrow are two sides of the same coin. Right. So if we're going to be in the world and be in a body, if we're going to let in pleasure, we have to also know that pain is possible. And if we're going to let in happiness, there's going to be sadness. And, yeah. You know, so it's just, that's part of, and so the ascetics, I was talking earlier about the Vedanta side of asceticism, is trying to get away from all that. Mm. They want to just be like, no, no pleasure, no pain, nothing. They just want to be mm. kind of like impure. Right, just like leave the body. Yeah, and, uh, but the Tantra world says, yes, go for the pleasure, accept the pain, it's all part of it. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Like be in, be in the world and... And enjoy it, and be open to what is. Yeah. Instead of trying to like leave the body, like yep. um, I was reading about Buddhist monks mm -hmm. in, in many lineages, like their goal is to leave the body mm -hmm. and attain Buddhahood. And uh, so often there's like sort of a an ignorance of the ignorance of the body, mm. 
and um, you know, like the Tibetan Buddhist monks that the you know the Chinese had done so much in raping their women and mm. destroying their temples, and, mm. and they the Buddhist monks were taught to send loving kindness to their enemies, mm-hmm. and that's beautiful. It's really beautiful. But what they what they're finding is a lot of these Buddhist monks are getting diabetes, oh, wow. and they're having a higher rate of diabetes than the general mm. population. Mm. And uh, one researcher, mm. his hypothesis is because when you're just constantly flooding your your self with loving kindness that's like high levels of endorphins and that can mm. have a, an effect on the metabolism of wow. glucose in the blood interesting yeah so like there's just like basically sugarcoating interesting their rage wow and so he was he was trying to teach them to first experience like really express the rage wow to get that out of their systems yeah. and then go to loving kindness beautiful and that was one thing I love about Kundalini Yoga is there are mm. certain Kriyas, mm-hmm. yeah. like fists of anger, where you're actually mm. getting angry and you're mm. hitting the ground and mm. using your throat chakra and Excellent. yelling and saying ha ha like really loud. Excellent. And then going into Beautiful. more sort of meditative, like yeah. as, as we know, like if yoga to be in the West, there's more flowy kind of yoga. Mm. Um, mm, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Osho had something similar. He did, a, mm. you probably know, a four-stage um, dynamic meditation. Yeah. There was jiggling and then there was breathing and then there was something, uh, a, a more fluid movement, but the jiggling was all about just getting shaking things loose and getting it out and really just letting go of whatever it needs to be let go of. Yeah. And that's an important thing. So you found thing. that beneficial Very too. Much, yeah. like feel it to heal it, express it. Yes. And then go into the more yeah. parasympathetic. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah? yeah? Cool. Let me check my questions. <laughs> Don't want to miss my questions. <laughs> oh, do you, tell me about any other juicy practices that like you found really beneficial for yourself and for others? Ooh, juicy practice. (laughs) (laughs) Huh. So, um, hmm, I'm stumped a little bit. Actually, it's it's not juicy in the conventional sense. Uh It's not, when you say juicy, I'm thinking of something sexual, but uh, my all-time favorite spiritual practice is kirtan. Oh, cool. Chant, yeah, that's juicy. Ch- yeah. Chanting, um, Baba Mukdanadi used to say, chanting the names of God is the highest state. Ah. And I go to Kirtan mm. several times a month. Nice. And I get lost in chanting the mantras from the, oh. that tradition of you know, Hare Ram Hare Krishna yeah. or Om Namah Shivaya, but just chanting, and especially in a group of people, mm-hmm. there's something about those <laughs> sacred syllables. Yeah. Be, you know, and, and it regulates the breathing, yeah. and it takes me to places I don't get to any other way, actually. It's, it That's is cool. actually the most profound practice for me. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, feel the same about chanting, yes. And you, you were talking about how you almost orgasm sometimes on your cushion, and yeah. I, I feel that way when I'm, when I'm chanting. Uh-huh. Naturally, my body wants to... to uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Getting the carried, microphone stuck. Getting carried away here. I'm talking with my whole body yes. here and wreck, wrecking the sound system. Um, naturally, my body just wants to undulate. The kundalini starts moving, yeah. and, oh, cool. and I can feel my pelvis. You know, like that. It yeah. feels orgasmic, but it doesn't feel orgasmic here. It right. feels like orgasmic in the whole, the whole. All your, you're singing from all your chakras. Exactly. Yeah. So that's probably the juiciest practice. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And I was I was um, learning more about like kirtan from the Kundalini tradition, so like uh, Gurmukhi chants, you mm. know, like um, how to or um, what's it called Satnam mm-hmm. and wah- Wahegu, yeah. Wahegu, right. that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Yep. Um, and apparently, like the belief is that it was like this almost like alien language stolen from another dimension by one of the Sikh gurus and brought back into this dimension as mm. a gift for mm. us. Mm. 
to like access our original yeah. selves. Yeah. And I really feel that way, especially mm. with like, have you heard like the Mu mantra? Gongar mm -hmm. yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, and it totally feels like an alien language and it's like very high vibration. And it, like, I can do things when I'm chanting that mantra that I could never do mm -hmm. if I wasn't chanting it. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, yeah. my, in this whole biohacking dude world, it's like cold water exposure is a big thing. Mm. I don't know if you've heard about this, like cold showers. I vaguely. Because it's getting more popular. And uh -huh. so, like, some of my friends in my men's group are like, oh, like, let's go swim in the ocean. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, one of them who did the training with me, the te yoga teacher training, he literally jumps into the ocean mm. and stays there for 20 minutes, three or four times a week. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, how am I going to do this? This is, like, Yikes. psychotic. And so I jumped in. It was, it was really uncomfortable. And I just started thinking the Moon Mantra in my head. Wow. And I was able to stay in as long as him. Whoa. And now I'm taking my friends down. And, and like, I can do it now. Amazing. Just by chanting Moon, just by chanting, Whoa. giving my mind something to do other than Whoa. focus on the pain. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. I have a hard time getting into the ocean here in the I'm summertime. <laughs> I'm sure you could, I'm sure you could do it if you just thought of some Ooh. of your favorite mantras and wow. then just like did that. Wow. While your body's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, there are traditions in, I think, Tibet where monks will uh, get naked and wrap themselves in wet sheets out in freezing weather. And, oh, and, and Yeah, so it's so a similar it's kind of thing. It's a thing. And, and they're... And they're their teachers are saying they have to develop enough body heat to to dry the blanket on their body in freezing oh, cold weather. Wow. Yeah, so I've heard of stories like that, but I'm That's not cool. I'm not there in this lifetime. I don't. Oh, I'm sure you. I have to it. come back another You're few so lifetimes cute, before. I bet you can do it. You're a very robust person. I think you could do it. We could go, let's go down into Lost Lagoon. Let's do it now. No, don't Just make me. Just jump into no. the lagoon. Oh my goodness. I'm so sissy about cold water. <laughs> have you tried the cool shower? No. Well, I mean, I've oh. done I've done you know a cold rinse sometimes after a sauna or something like that mm -hmm. just briefly, but no, nothing. I've been doing it every day. Really? Because I find it helps me deal with like my daddy issues. Wow. Yeah. Like uh. now it's so weird. Like it might be one of many things that I'm doing differently now. Like not doing drugs mm. <laughs> helps. Mm. But like now when I hang around with my father, I guess I'm just less scared of being triggered because I'm triggering myself every morning in the shower. Huh. You know, and I'm doing crazy shit like jumping into <laughs> into the ocean during the winter time. <laughs> And so I'm not as afraid that he's going to say something that's going to trigger me oh. because I know that my body will kind of like, it'll, it'll oh, hit me. And beautiful. Then okay, well, you know? Wow. So, I, so you're finding a core strength of something. Yeah, sort. I think it's helping me wow. with my core strength. Yeah. Wow. Mm. It's like our relationship, now that I'm thinking about it, the last few weeks since I've been doing mm. this, it's completely changed. Fantastic. We're smiling more and wow. I'm less scared of, you know, him saying something that's going to make me upset. Beautiful. And, and I'm being more loving. Mm. And yeah, so mm. I'm all for cold showers. Okay. <laughs> Even though they're really freaking uncomfortable. I just turn huh. up cold for the last few minutes. Okay. Some people will just go right in. Huh. But I find like I like to keep my body warm and yeah. then I'll do do it. For, so you run for the cold minutes. water for a few minutes? Three minutes, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I'll just I, sing something. I'll experiment with that. Yeah. You're inspiring me. Yeah, man. You, you <laughs> might like it. It's, it's, um, there's this dude named, he's, I think he's around your age. His name is Wim Hof. He's um, from Holland, mm. and he, it's, he's coined it called the Wim Hof Method. I think his son has helped him promote it, and he travels the world now, mm. and he teaches people how to do cold exposure. That's mm. his job now, <laughs> and he, like, I think his wife 
died unexpectedly and he was really overtaken by the grief mm. and then he was able to sort of move through the grief by doing crazy cold things like mm. running shirtless in the North Pole you know doing like a half marathon with no shoes and no shirt on and just like all this crazy stuff mm. and then the next frontier this is what like I was finding really cool is he's doing double blind randomized placebo control studies with people that have gone through his training against a group who hasn't and they inject them with um, the what is it a flu virus some sort of virus that isn't going to kill them hmm. and um, the people who've done the training invariably are able to control themselves so they don't exhibit hmm. uh, any symptoms oh. I'm kind of butchering it but something oh. like that where like textbooks are now being rewritten because like people didn't realize you can have control over your system mm. more than we thought mm. and um, yeah so I'll send you some links sure because yeah. it was it was really cool this Wim Hof dude and he's super funny really exuberant and so, really yeah, out there he must be really exuberant. he's like breathe motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> I need to pause for a washroom break yeah for sure check 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 awesome we're back. we're back <laughs> we had a little shy bathroom break <laughs> um, I asked you all my questions is there anything else that you want to talk about or that's like coming into your sphere hmm I am finding this an incredibly exciting time, mm. um, partly because of technology like this, that we, mm -hmm. we can com be communicating with people all over the planet all mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned to you these, these Zoom calls that I'm on oh, where yeah. we're doing mutual awakening, and there are people um, all over the planet that are participating together. It's awesome. And it feels like it's a fulfillment of um, a sort of a prophecy that I heard back when I was in an undergraduate, uh, mm. Pierre Teilhard de Chardin was a Jesuit priest, and he talked mm -hmm. about, he was really radical as a Catholic because he was talking about evolution, which mm. Catholics didn't buy. And right. he said that we are in the process of evolving, having gone through the geosphere, where it was just matter, and mm -hmm. then the biosphere, which was life, and then the newosphere, where we developed intelligence, mm -hmm. we're, we're now creating a, in the process of creating a global consciousness. Mm. And he says that we're on our way to harnessing the power of love. Wow. And when we do that, and when we really harness the power of love, humans will have uh, in, discovered fire for the second time. Whoa, I like that. And I feel like the internet is helping us do that. I mean, just mm -hmm. being able to communicate like we're doing now with lots of people yes. uh, is allowing us all to be connected in ways that we've never, ever been able to do before. And I think it's incredibly exciting. And you're talking about that book that our friend Benoit gave you and how it's about cultivating consciousness between groups of people and, and finding that space of consciousness and essentially God by connecting to tribe and connecting to others. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a piece too in, in our journey towards this heaven on earth, basically, Very much. that we're working towards. Very much, yeah. Uh, the author of the book, Patricia Albert, is saying that it's time for us to not just go inside to find individual enlightenment or mm -hmm. salvation or whatever, but to be doing it with others, actually mm -hmm. doing practices like, and Tantra is actually sort of began doing that thousands of years ago where yes. people practice together, but she's, she's doing it without the, without a particular tradition, but having people meditate together, eyes open, mm -hmm. and attempting to describe the consciousness that we are in together. Yeah, and that's cool. I feel like she's onto something important that uh, mm -hmm. we space. It's sometimes being called uh, we space from me yeah. to we. Yeah, exactly. And the, it's it's out there. She's not the only one talking about it, uh, but it's it's beginning to emerge in the culture that um, there is a 
something something new is happening around mm-hmm. we-ness and, and yeah. us-ness that I think is so important. Because yeah. as, as, as separate animals, we, we evolve from animals where we have our separateness and our tribalness, and right. that doesn't work with seven and a half billion of us on the planet now. We really mm. need to find a way to be as one family. One entity, yeah. one group, and one family. Yeah. That's really cool. I, um, it's so funny when I, I was telling you off air that, you know, I, I had a friend and she had this guy that she was dating and they wanted to do Tantra and for some reason they thought that I was a Tantric expert and I was like, no, I just teach yoga. I'm just getting into, I'm just dipping my toes in myself. They're like, well, do you know any techniques? Can we do them together? And I was like, well, I'll share with you what I've learned so far. And we were doing it and we were bringing energy up the spine and doing some massage. And then the fellow, the, the boyfriend of my friend, he's like, is spanking part of Tantra? <laughs> and I was like, it could be. He's like, could you spank me? And I was like, sure. So I was like, come sit down. I was like spanking him. And the, and the girlfriend was watching, smiling. And, uh, what role does like BDSM play in Tantra? Can that be part of Tantra? Why not? Hmm? Um, what I actually uh, was studying this past year with a wonderful Tantra teacher, Kundalini teacher named mm. Raja Chowdhury, who's based in oh. in Delhi, and he was teaching on the internet. So I was cool. taking virtual classes every week. Nice. And he, I mean, you know this from your Kundalini yoga practice, but he says for Kundalini to be activated, we have to really raise the level of prana in the body, mm. the level of energy. Mm. And so anything that does it, dancing can do it, chanting mm. can do it, spanking can do it. Mm. Um, uh, yoga can certainly do it. Oh, anything right. that raises the level of charge in the body can raise Kundalini and bring us more into higher consciousness. And I remember, I think one of Yogi Bhajan's teachings is like this, there's something called the sex nerve. Like there's mm. a sciatic nerve on the back of the leg, and the sex nerve he said runs mm. from the inside of the leg and then around and up the butt. Mm, so maybe like spanking stimulates yeah. the sex nerve. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just came to me. Right now. Sounds plausible. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> but it certainly raises energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it stimulates the nervous system, and uh, mm. yeah. So if it's done with an intention of um, yeah. being spiritual, it will be. That's really cool. Absolutely. Spiritual spanks. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Cool. <laughs> nice, nice. I, I actually, we talked earlier about Body Electric, but I took a, mm-hmm. a, a BDSM workshop within with them, the Body. Oh, cool! Body Electric. Wow. And I, I had been, I had had the opinion that BDSM was somehow abusive and not spiritual. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, is there yeah. A way to... And the man who was teaching it, um, Harry Faddis, uh, he subtitled the the workshop. The workshop was titled "Power, Surrender, and Intimacy." Subtitled the spiritual dimensions of S and M, mm. and I went spiritual dimensions of S and M, but I already knew him and I respected him greatly. So uh-huh. I said, if Harry is teaching the spiritual dimensions, there are going to be spiritual There's dimensions. Be something there, yeah. And there were, because um, his approach was all about uh, it's not abusive at all. The, his whole approach is that the top is in service to the bottom. Is in service. To so, the bottom. for example, if somebody's being spanked, the one who's doing the spanking is doing it exactly the way the bottom wants to receive. No harder, no softer, mm. you know, no sugar, no less. Really up to the bottom to communicate what he or she wants, mm-hmm. and the top is delivering that for them. And uh, and that made BDSM seem like a whole oh, that's different, interesting, whole different thing. And maybe providing like a loving space yeah, totally. for them to, because you think sometimes people could process you know, trauma from their past using BDSM? If it's that consensual, because mm-hmm. it, this was completely 1,000% consensual. Consensual, yeah. Yeah, and that's, if the, if the person who's seemingly in the bottom powerless position feels like they are actually in control, mm-hmm. which is what this was all about, it's incredibly empowering. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah. 
So I was I, I came away from being spanked and yeah. spanking feeling like, wow, this is really energizing and it's fun. And I came away, I remember after the first evening when we actually had done spanking, I was walking down the street back to where I was staying and I felt like I had just had the most amazing meditation. I felt crystal clear. Wow. So, so yeah. So tell me a little bit about the workshop from what you can remember. Was it like you got into partners and like spanked? Yep, that was the first evening was learning how to Naked. give and receive spanking. Yep. Wow, that's... And then, men uh, and women uh, or just men? It was all men. Cool. Yeah. And then we uh, did some flogging the next day and we did nice. some bondage. And, um, <laughs> that one sounds of the, really One of the cool. funnest exercises was playing, um, playing dogs and masters. Oh, cool. So, so we, we had... We didn't have literal leashes. We didn't have physical leashes, but... I've forgotten actually how we were staying connected with our, our puppy. Mm-hmm. But one, one guy would be down on the floor on hands and knees, act, and his, his job was to act like a puppy and oh, go fun. and sniff butts and whatever puppies yeah, do, you know, yeah. then jump up down, just like puppies. And the masters were supposed to be masters and keep them under control. Right. And it was hysterical. It was That's just so a riot. Cool. Imagine 30 men, yeah. half of them, <laughs> <everybody> <laughs> on hands and knees, <laughs> and, and the other third, oh, you're, 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 behave. That's it, it awesome. was a riot. That sounds so <laughs> it's fun. It's totally a riot. That's cool. <laughs> so it was a very, it was actually a very enlightening workshop for me. It sounds like it. Because it was, it was all about power dynamics. Yeah. And uh, learning how to be comfortable with all that. Totally. Yeah. I was interviewing Zigi and he was saying like a lot of our society is like this colonialist mindset. Mm. Like 99% of the world is in this colonialist mindset. Mm. We don't mm. even know it. Yes. And a lot of the colonialist sort of societal way things are is built on sexual repression. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes when people hear things like, oh, like dogs, people mm-hmm. pretending to be dogs, or people mm-hmm. being flogged, or, mm-hmm. you know, people doing naked yoga, they mm-hmm. get yeah. triggered because it yes. goes against the grain of what totally. what the preponderance of the world's consciousness is enmeshed mm-hmm. in, which is this colonialist mindset. Yes. Um, how, how would we define the colonialist mindset? It's kind of like work, work, work? Ooh. Separate re- yourself from your sexuality and work hard. Well, I remember, um, <laughs> I remember being. Uh, I, one point, I took a sociology class, and in that class, they talked about. They called it in that class the Protestant ethic, mm, which, and the code, the code words were thrift, hard work, and self reliance. Thrift, hard work, and self. That sounds like yeah, very so how I was raised. So what yeah. the pilgrims <laughs> would do, or you know, coming on the Mayflower: right. thrift, hard work, self reliance. You know, work, work, right. work. Um, no pleasure. Pleasure suspect. Yeah, dancing, maybe not. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, that was only a few generations ago for yeah. many of our ancestors coming yeah. over here. You're right, yeah. So that still, energy is still here. Yeah, so that, that came from some of the, I don't know my, my religious history in Europe, but I remember some of the uh, Reform, Reformation uh, reformers were mm-hmm. like Calvin was very anti-pleasure mm. um, and um, I think Martin Luther as well. So mm-hmm. the Lutherans and the Calvinists and so on those are, it's like the sublimate pleasure, your pleasure, pleasure and then just work to yeah. create yeah. the society. Yeah. So that's a, uh. such a strong part of North American culture is from those religious traditions. Are you familiar with Abraham Hicks? No. She's a spiritual teacher and she channels this mm. group of teacher, non-physical mm. teachers named Abraham. And she was channeling and she said uh, they, that they were saying um, like the old, it sounds like Protestant way of life is like the more you do, the more you're worth. Yes. Whereas um, our true nature is more the better you feel, the more you allow mm, your dream oh, to be. Beautiful. Yeah, and that really resonated with me when she channeled that. And mm. uh, yeah, I mm. feel like we're waking up. Like, I feel like there's this great awakening happening mm-hmm. right now on the planet yeah, where it's like, so. whoa, like, okay. And, and then she also has this analogy of upstream, downstream. Huh. 
And so she says, you, put in your, you can put your boat in the water. Not enough money or plenty of money. You can put your boat in the water at sickness or wellness or anywhere in between. Um, and, and everything you want is downstream. But we've been taught with the Protestant ethic that everything we want is upstream. Go fight the current. And, you know, <laughs> co- monuments are made in the name of people who really fought upstream. Fought upstream. And they have moleskine on their oars and, yeah. and their muscles are strong. Struggle, but struggle, she says, struggle. actually, ev- nothing that you really want is upstream. That's what mm. she says. Mm. That's what Abraham mm. is channeled through her. Mm. And, and so her whole message is let go of the oars mm. and your boat will turn and then you can have everything you want. And so it's, again, it's like the more you do, the more you're worth. That's upstream. Yep. The better you feel, the more, the more you allow it's downstream. Beautiful. And so I'm learning to, like, even with my father, it's like, yeah. uh, do I want to talk to him about that topic? Because that's oh, probably going to be an upstream conversation. Yes, exactly. Or do I want to talk to him about Bali? That might be more downstream. Right. And just, like, crafting these more downstream moments awesome. <laughs> feels so much better. Absolutely. And I think it's better for my, my, blood, my blood pressure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I like that, uh, that metaphor a lot. I've yeah. never heard that before. And I feel like uh, sexual energy, like owning our sexuality can be very downstream. But Abraham says it's like um, if you're gay, it's kind of like you had your, your toe stubbed by a train, like when you're near a train. So every time you see, you know, a train, if you're a kid who got your toe stubbed by a train, when you're an adult, every time you see a train, you might kind of flinch mm-hmm. and get tense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're gay, but really anybody in this Protestant kind mm-hmm. of world, it's like, mm-hmm the topic of sexuality can make people flinch and tense sure. up because we all kind of got stubbed when we were kids. Absolutely. And so I feel like the work that you're doing, the work that I, I'm doing with yoga is to mm-hmm. help people, as you said, stay calm while they're experiencing joy and while the arousal is happening mm-hmm. so that they can expand their balloon mm. to be able to experience more pleasure and more joy. Yes, Because yes. I think what I used to do is like I'd feel it and I'd want to just ejaculate mm-hmm. Or numb out because you mm-hmm. don't know how to navigate that energy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I think that uh, the next frontier is, is what you're doing is like teaching people to be with, essentially be with blissful feelings mm-hmm. yeah. and just own them and enjoy them. So allowing more aliveness in the whole, in the entire body. Cool. Whether it's in the genitals or in the heart or in the, the spirit aura. realm. Yeah, but just cool. feeling more fully alive. That's really cool. Uh, it's... Uh, it's like a full body erection. Yeah, full body <laughs> erection. I love that. Osho yeah. actually said that we can be in orgasmic states all the time. Really? Yeah, I mean, he said it begins with we start learning about orgasm through genital sex, but then he yeah. says you can, you can be walking on the street and see a flower or a bird or mm-hmm. a sunrise or another person and just feel an orgasmic joy throughout your body. It, it can, oh, be, like it can be virtually a perpetual. Um, orgasm in life and that's the tantric view according to him which I really love I love I recently bought a book of his what's it called something about sexual the importance of sexuality it's a book mm. that he wrote so I'm excited to read it mm. and uh, yeah let's finish off by I want to ask you a bit of what are your favorite teachings from Osho and how has the teachings of Osho helped you in your spiritual journey mm. um, I came across one of his books pretty early on in my search around tantra because nice. he was one of the few authors that talked at all about right. sexuality. Right. And uh, the name of the book right. is Neo-Tantra. Oh, okay. Neo-Tantra. Mm-hmm. And it came out in 83, I think. Nice. So it's no longer in print, but it is actually oh, on wow. Amazon. Oh, nice. Um, it's, it's used copies now. But it's no, mm-hmm. There are no longer any new copies around. But it can be, it can be purchased. And mm-hmm. it's, it's astounding. It's a small book. Cool. And it's kind of poetic. 
Cool. Um, and I don't think I can begin to summarize the whole thing, but the, the, one of the, the key parts is that sex can lead to love. Mm -hmm. Love can lead to prayer, mm. and prayer can lead to transcendence. Whoa. <laughs> and uh, so he said, as I mentioned earlier, his idea is that, that sex itself, like the second chakra of the pelvis, is the gateway to the higher chakras. And so mm. we can learn how the, to move it up into a loving place in the heart, or we can learn mm. how to move the energy up into the, the crown chakra and feel mm. the connection with the divine. Mm. And um, so um, that's the best I can do with that book. But that's, I like that. That book, if you can <clears> find <throat> a copy of it, Neo Tantra is really beautiful. It's po pure cool. poetry. Nice. Yeah. If, if, uh, if you want to pause this for a second, mm -hmm. I'll, 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 I can grab a copy and maybe okay, sweet. Quote, quote from it for a That'd second. That'd be amazing. There so, so it's just a few passages from uh, Osho's book, Neo Tantra, which came out in the early 80s. Um, Tantra says, this life is the only life. The other life is hidden in this life. Go into it. Go into it and you will find the other too. God is hidden in the world. Wow. For 5,000 years, Tantra has been the only tradition that has accepted sex totally. Don't condemn the mud because the lotus is hidden in the mud. Use the mud to produce the lotus. Mm. Tantra says, if sex is so vital that life comes out of it, then there must be something more to it. That something more is the key toward divinity. Huh. Use the energy of sex. Don't fight with it. Transform it. Be friendly with it. It is your energy. Every energy is just energy. Tantra does not believe in struggle. It is not the path of the will. Rather, it is the path of total surrender. Tantra says, first attain a kind of, a different kind of consciousness, and that will be followed by a different kind of action or behavior. Tantra is transcendence. It is neither indulgence nor repression. It is walking on a tightrope, allowing life, all its emotions, being authentic, sensitive, touching more, feeling more, laughing more, crying more. Mm -hmm. It is through the small things of life that you have a taste. The small things become big and great if you enter into them utterly, totally, wholly. Mm. Tantra is playfulness, yet it is sincere. But it is not serious. It is very joyous, a, a highly evolved form of love. Hmm. Most religions force a, an unnecessary choice on you. They say either choose God or the world. They put God in opposition to the world. Tantra says there is no question of choice. It is all yours. Wow. Reclaim your freedom. Reclaim your freedom to love. Reclaim your freedom to be. Then life is no longer a problem. It is an ecstasy. Beautiful. Wow. <laughs> oh, I can, I have, can I take a picture of that of after? Course. Yeah, That's yeah. amazing. Thank you so much, Sequoia. That's so pretty and so meaningful and beautiful. And, um... <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... Yeah. If the outer world is a reflection of the inner world, then I'm so grateful that I feel like I thought I had to like struggle and fight and like change my dad's beliefs and mm. all these upstream things. Mm -hmm. 
But if it's true that the outer world's a reflection of the inner world, then maybe all we have to do is just be human air purifiers. <laughs> and just like share this wisdom mm -hmm. and enjoy our lives. Mm -hmm. And maybe that will have a ripple effect. Mm. I feel like it is. And mm. I, I really thank you for carrying the torch. I'm not going to cry. Mm. Um, <laughs> from the Piscean, from the Kali Yuga into this age, mm. we, we are so grateful. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> My joy. Where and people can find you online at meninTouch.org. Yes. Awesome. And if they and what are the different services that you offer? Uh, erotic massage, tantric massage. So, so the meninTouch.org is the uh, group work that Zigi and I do, and my nice. own my own private practice is at GrowingHealthier.com. Oh, nice. GrowingHealthier.com. Perfect. And so, uh, individual massage, mystical massage, which is non-genital, mm -hmm. or tantra massage, which integrates the genital. Cool. And I do uh, personal yoga training and uh, nice. life coaching. Awesome. And, um, pretty much multifaceted. Multifaceted, yeah. But it's all, cool. it's all about um, helping people experience more wholeness, body, yeah. body, heart, and soul, for sure. So meninTouch.org and GrowingHealthier.com? Yes. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Sequoia. Thank you so much, Will. And the Ignite Festival is Ignite-Fest.com. Dot com. And it's over a the Easter weekend April in April. 19th to 21st, uh, downtown Vancouver at the Scotia Dance. Amazing. Mm -hmm. First of its kind... Second year, first of its kind in North America. Hope to see you there. <laughs> Satna. Satna. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Urban Yogi. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Sequoia Tom. And I hope to see you at the Ignite Fest uh, for self-identified men, queer, trans, bi, straight, everybody coming together to embody your true nature and experiment with your identity. You can check that out at ignite-fest.com. I hope to see you guys soon. Namaste. Jamahe, sukandim pushti
beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant? Gorgeous, talented, fabulous. Actually, who are you not to be? You're playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. You're all meant to shine as children do. You're born to make manifest the glory that is within us. It is not just in some of us. It is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. May the love